Thank you so much for tuning in to the Reclamation Church podcast. My name is John Bernal. I serve as the youth director here at Reclamation Church, and I'm so excited that you've decided to tune in with us today. We're going to be joined by Pastor Tom Wilson. He's our senior pastor here at Reclamation Church, and he's going to be talking about when fear towers over you. Let's listen in. Uh, I thought it might be good for us to kind of just start perhaps with a bit of an update on kind of where we are from last Sunday. So what I want to share with you is you, you guys are all well aware of this uh, watching the news. Uh, we see several states on full lockdown now, states like New York and California, uh, Illinois. Um, basically, unless it's an essential business, uh, you're stuck in your home. Uh, but again, what kind of a cool thing, because that means people are searching for something to do, and our prayer is God would lead them to uh, his resources all over the website uh, and the internet. Uh, New York Times actually just stated yesterday that roughly one in four Americans are asked to stay home during this time. That's just that's just mind-boggling to me, that one quarter of our country is indoors, uh, and we don't know how big that's going to get, but chances are it's probably coming. Uh, we found out in our area this week that all the restaurants were going to close down, so uh, only drive through and pizza deliveries and that kind of thing are allowed. Other than that, lobbies are all shut down. Um, this is a, a crazy thought to think about, but starting tomorrow, it's a whole new world, and literally the entire country is going to school online. I mean, just to, to fathom what that means, it, it's staggering to me. And so there's a lot of moving pieces. There's a lot of things going on. Um, and what it comes down to is we have entered a, a new phase as a culture, and we are walking into an unknown land. And, you know, we we came across three words that we saw in Scripture last week, Joshua 1, 9, that, that I pray will just give you comfort regardless of wherever you go. And those three words are uh, wherever you go. And if you're wondering where we got that from, we're going to actually look at Joshua 1.9 just real briefly this morning. Uh, what's going on is Joshua has been commanded with taking the Israelites, God's people, into the promised land. Uh, his predecessor, Moses, has just passed away. So you can only imagine the fear and the, and the anxiety going into that job. And God comforts him. And here's what he says. He says, I've commanded you to be strong and brave. Don't Ever be afraid or discouraged. I am the Lord your God, and I will be there to help you. And here it is, wherever you go. And those three words to me are so powerful because regardless where our nation goes, where our culture goes, where we go with this whole virus, we don't got to worry about it because God is with us with every single step we go and do. Uh, I actually want to give you one additional verse that I want to encourage you guys to find a way to post it somewhere in your house. And I would love for you guys to put this on your social media page and then tag us on it because I'd love to see these. Uh, something that we've encouraged our church family to do before is to use like a dry erase marker and actually just write it directly on your bathroom mirror. That when you, when you get up in the morning to brush your teeth, it is right there front and center, so you can't miss it. And, and that verse is Romans 8.28, and I think we're going to see this to come true when this whole thing goes away. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Even when you don't know where we're going, we can be assured that God is with us and he's going to use all this for his glory. So uh, whether you use lipstick and write it on your mirror or whether you put it uh, on a piece of paper and just tack it up somewhere, 
just put that uh, on your social media page and, and tag us. We'd love to see that. Uh, okay, so I encourage you guys last week to get your Bibles out, blow the dust off, find them wherever they are in your house. Uh, we're today, this morning, we're going to be in the book of First Samuel chapter 17. Uh, I'm going to give you some time to get there to First Samuel 17. Now, if you were with us last week, we were in 1 Samuel 14 and 15. So just go back to where we were, jump forward one or two chapters, and you'll be all set. Uh, as you're finding your Bible, as you're turning there, you know, one of the things I'm really excited about the local church right now is in the past several years, I've gone to uh, several different conferences where uh, the question is raised, what does the church look like in the future? And, and, and what is the next big we thing for this cultural shift as a church? Because what we're seeing is ministry is done completely different today because we are basically... Uh, a post-Christian world. Um, and so we're trying to figure out how do you engage the culture. And one of the things I'm most excited about is what I've seen in the last couple weeks is, is God using his church to step way out of their comfort zone, to be creative, to use the gifts, the talents, uh, to be able to uh, reach people like you right now as you're sitting in your bed or sitting on your couch or sitting wherever you are enjoying your cup of coffee, um, to be able to interact. And then what warmed my heart last week is after I got off the stage of preaching this really awkward empty room um, is just seeing the interaction from our people uh, on Facebook uh, and just being able to see this community that even though we're not there in person, being able to kind of have, you know, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, being able to see things like podcasts uh, coming up this week for us. Uh, what God has really solidified for me is, is he has definitely created the right team here at Reclamation because if it was only me, I wouldn't have a clue what we're doing. Uh, but he's given us such great staff and leadership that, that we can think outside of the box and do things differently. So uh, I'm really excited to see what God's going to do through this time. Okay, so you should be at 1 Samuel 17 by now. Now, this is the story of David and Goliath, and chances are you, you've heard of this story. Uh, or if you're not, man, I'm glad you're here this morning with us. Uh, this is a fantastic historical event that took place thousands of years ago. Um, what's also really cool is if you happen to have like a third, fourth, fifth grader in your house, especially boys, they love this kind of story because there's carnage, there's weapons, there's soldiers, uh, good stuff here. So we're going to be reading through this, and we're going to see some really good tidbits and some wisdom that we can apply today, what's going on in our lives. So we're going to start in verse 3, 1 Samuel 3. Here's what it says. It said, so the Philistines and the Israelites. Now, here's all you got to know right now. The Philistines were the bad guys. The Israelites were God's people. And the Philistines were essentially the bullies. It says, so the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. So what essentially would happen is they would have these valleys You'd have an army on this side and an army on this side, and they would typically wage war in the bottom of the valley because they would run down with this, uh, this momentum, and then it would crash. This particular battle is not happening. You kind of have this stalemate. You've got the Israelites and the Philistines, and there's no battle. And so we're going to see why that's going on. Verse 4, just then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Goth, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel, Here's what scripture says. He was over nine feet tall. Uh, exactly, he was nine foot nine inches. So this is a big dude we're talking about. Verse five, it says he wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore a bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. Now look at this. Verse seven, says the shaft of his spear was as heavy and as thick as a weaver's beam. Now, 
I searched all over the church. I could not find a single weaver's beam. Uh, but what I did have, ironically, is the piece of uh, cardboard. This is the package that our new Easter banner got delivered in. Um, as you could probably tell, it hasn't been opened yet. Uh, we're praying we get to open this and put it outside to invite people to our building on Easter. But we're just taking it day by day. Now, this is roughly the size of a weaver's rod. And what it says is that his spear was so big that it was this big around. Now, if that's not enough, here's what it also says. It says, the, uh, it says tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. Again, didn't have any iron spearheads laying around. So I went to the church pantry and I found a bottle of vegetable oil. Now this weighs just a little over five pounds. So if you could just visualize this, if you took three of these and, and duct tape this together on the tip of this weaver's rod, this is the type of strength that this man had. He, he would take this spear and he would hurl it to his victims. Now, if that wasn't intimidating enough, what it also says at the very next verse, it says, his armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. So if this man didn't have enough to take out his enemy, what it says is that he actually had a, a volunteer, well, probably a slave, who would stand in front of him and he would have this shield that went from his feet all the way above his head and he would hold this wall. So imagine he's holding a piece of plywood that's really strong and then essentially Goliath would stand behind it and he would look out, and then he would chunk his javelin, and essentially, you might say he was bulletproof. And so this was an incredibly intimidating to these people. In fact, what I want to do is try to help you illustrate <clears throat> just how big this guy is. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to put on your screen a scale. And what this is, is it shows uh, how tall the average size man is. And so the average size man in the United States is five foot six inches. And so you'll see our little guy pop up on there. And uh, you know, he's average, nothing special. The next example is actually of me. Now I'm a pretty big dude. I am six foot four inches. And what I find out is I typically tower over most people. Now I, I'm not a giant per se, but, but I definitely tower over people. Goliath, it says, is nine foot nine inches. And so if you just look at the comparison, this guy is massive. And all of a sudden what we see is this is fearful and this is terror. And the Israelites are literally scared out of their mind. So picking up our, our, our verse eight, this says, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. He says, why are you coming out to fight? He says, why are you all coming out to fight? He says, I am the Philistine champion. And he says, you're, you're nothing but the servants of Saul. And then he, he throws down this challenge. He says, choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. So regardless, whoever you pick to go out and fight this battle, that person is going to decide your destiny and your future. Verse 10, here's what he says. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, this is what it says. They were terrified and deeply shaken. So it's an all or nothing kind of fight. Whoever takes it, winner takes all. One translation, here's how it puts it. It says, they were so frightened of Goliath that they couldn't do a thing. In other words, they were frozen with fear. 
So I was about eight years old, and we had gone camping as a family out in the deserts of uh, Arizona. And my dad, who was walking around a bush, I'm following him, and he walks around, and I spot out of the corner of my eye, there's a coiled up Western Diamondback rattlesnake. And all I could see was his tongue, and all I could see was that little rattle. And I was frozen solid. I mean, we understand what it means to freeze up and you just can't function. That's essentially what's happening to the Israelites. And, you know, I've I've chosen to, to title today's message, When Fear Towers Over You. And I think the reality is people right now, Let's just be honest, they're scared. They are frightened. They're wondering what's going on. Uh, Something new came upon the scene, this thing called the coronavirus. We don't know exactly what it is. We're learning every day about incubation periods and how long it takes and symptoms and what's, we don't know. I mean, there's a lot of question marks that we don't know. Uh, we're, We're seeing things online. There's videos now of people fighting over toilet paper, people fighting over frozen chicken, people fighting over cases of bottled water. It's just this hysteria, and what's happening is those people are being led by fear, and this is what's happening in our culture. Uh, I shared last week this thing called the roller coaster syndrome, and really what that is 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 when someone sees a roller coaster, uh, regardless if you like him or not, I mean, you begin to get these thoughts in your mind. Well, well, what if, right? I know statistically I'm going to be okay, but what if that, that... train car jumps the track? What, what if I fall out when, my, when my, my safety thing comes up? I mean, we jump into these what-if scenarios. It's called the, the roller coaster syndrome. And I think right now, there's a lot of people who are frightened, and yet statistically, we should be okay, but what if? That's being led out of fear. Now, for the culture, that's kind of be expected. Now, for those of us who are called Christ followers, and we've given our life to Christ, and we've received him as our Lord and Savior, and his Holy Spirit lives inside of us, what it says is that we're not to be led by fear, but we're to be led by faith and allow him to work through us. And so I want to recap our story. So what's going on is you have the Israelites on one side of this valley up on the mountain. They're scared, frozen. They can't move. They don't know what to do. This guy comes out. He towers. He yells. He's a big bully. He's got all these weapons. It's like, there's no way anybody could beat this guy. Now, about this time, this is where the story gets interesting, this young guy named David. Now, I say young guy. I mean, he was a teenager. Um, He comes onto the scene. and, And keep in mind, he wasn't even old enough to join the army yet. And so David is back at home helping dad with the crops, helping him with the livestock. He's just doing chores around the house. And dad says, I I want you to go to the front lines and I want you to check on your brothers and I want you to take them bread and take them cheese. Just essentially he's being the pizza delivery boy is what he's being. So he sends him to the front lines and he wants to get a report on how things are going in the war. So, uh, you know, he steps upon this scene and what he sees is that this army is terrified because they have this giant looming and towering over them. And I thought, you know, really for this week, I thought what I would ask everyone logging in this morning is just that simple question. What fear is towering over you? Last week, we talked about the fear of running out. Um, This week, uh, who knows what it might be for you? And, and, And let's be clear, 
it may have nothing to do with the coronavirus. Uh, maybe for you, it, it, it's a fear, it's a giant that has, has gripped you and you've never been able to overcome uh, that particular giant in your life. Maybe that's the giant of addiction. Maybe that's your past. Maybe you've been hurt physically or, or, or emotionally or, or even sexually, and you don't know how to get past that pain. Maybe it's these toxic words of people in your past, and then here's what our mind does. It just replays those same words over and over and over, and you can't seem to hit the eject button, and so you're just haunted by that. Maybe it's health issues, and the doctor says it's, it's not a good prognosis. Uh, maybe it is a, a mound of bills, and it's financial. Uh, maybe it's a strained relationship. Whatever it might be, we've all had giants that loom over us at one time or another, and the great thing is what I see and what we can take from God's word is that absolutely we can be victorious over the giants that come into our lives if we follow what God's word says. And so what I want to do this morning in our, in our Bible study is I would like for us to really seek the lessons that we can get from David because he is the ultimate giant slayer and he's famous and he's very well known and there's great little just tips that we can take from this so if you're a note taker I encourage you to take notes this morning we're going to be in first Samuel again 17 and let's dig into the scripture together <clears throat> the first thing is uh, this is so important is that we've got to be confident with who's in control at all times of every situation uh, verse 32. <clears throat> Here's what it says. Don't worry about this, this Philistine. Now, David just shows up, and uh, he walks up to Saul, who's the king, by the way. And here's what he says. Don't worry about this Philistine. I'll go fight him. Um, now, first of all, I think Saul's response is right on. Don't be ridiculous, right? We have trained soldiers. You're an errand boy, and you think you're going to step in and do this. Now, that's also, if you think about it, pretty insulting to Saul and his entire powerful army that this kid's stepping up saying, I'll handle this. So Saul replies, there, there's just no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. Here's what he did. He just throws out the truth. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. I mean, this guy has been trained and bred to be an incredibly powerful weapon. Verse 34, but David persisted. Man, I, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock. Now, you got to love this. Again, again, those fifth grade boys out there. <clears throat> I go after it with a club, and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. And if the animal turns on me, well, I just catch it by its jaw, and I club it to death. Gotta love scripture. It's just real. Uh, verse 36, I've done this both to lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, he says. Here's why. For he has defied the armies of the living God. Not because he's insulted me. Not because he, he's called out my brothers. Not because he's humiliating my family. No, no, no because he has defied the armies of the living God. <clears throat> Verse 37 says, The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. So what is David doing? Well, it's something that I hope and pray that we're all doing. He is thinking back to the victories that God has got him through, and he knows that he's fought lions, he's fought bears, and those are our formidable you know, enemies and yet, even then, God showed up and got him through that. And what he's doing, he's, he's remembering what God has done. And my encouragement for you during this time is something that I've encouraged our church to do a lot, is that to remember your God stories. <clears throat> One of the things that I encourage, <clears throat> I'm sorry. <clears throat> One of the things that I encourage uh, all the people 
in our ministry to do is to create a, a kind of a prayer journal. Uh, you might call it a praise journal. And, and what it is, it's, it's a brag book. That, that's really what it is. It's every time you have a prayer request, you write it down, and then you wait and you see how God responds to that and answers that prayer, and you write down the answer. And you keep this for years and years and years. And the great thing is, is when you're in seasons like this where you, all these what-ifs pop up, you go back to your brag book, and you can go back and see this, this right here is how God took care of us then, just like David's doing, and this is how he'll take care of me now. And there's so much truth we can learn from David is we've got to be confident in who's in control. So the year was, uh, gosh, at least 15 years ago. I don't even remember what year it was. Um, I had just gotten back from a mission trip out of the country. I had just gotten back from church camp. Um, we were dead broke at the time, and uh, we had little kids. We had our, our son was maybe five. Our daughter was a year old. And for whatever reason, I started to just not feel very good. And I started getting these really sharp abdominal pains. So, you know, kind of just shrugged it off for the first day. Uh, the next day, which happened to be July 4th, by the way, um, I, I became excruciating in pain. And so we went to a dock in the box, which uh, honestly is all we could afford at the time because um, we knew how expensive an ER visit would be. So we went to the dock in the box, and they ran some tests, and they said, you need to go to the ER immediately. And so we made arrangements for the kids. We went to the ER, um, and something you don't want to do is go to the ER on July 4th. Uh, it was insane how busy it was. Uh, you know, firework accidents and all kinds of things. And um, something else you don't want to hear when you go to the ER is you don't want them to call your name right away because that means you're way up on the uh, the issues list. And so I, I sat in and I registered. They, they did a couple tests. And before I know it, I hear Thomas Wilson, and they call my name. And we're like, we look at each other. They took us straight back, gave us a room, and they just began to run this barrage of tests on me. Uh, two days in, we had no idea what was going on, other than the fact that I was going through crazy pain. Um, I was incredibly exhausted, incredibly tired, didn't know what it was. Um, about day two, I, I wake up just enough to hear my wife on the phone, because I'm in and out of consciousness, and she is on the phone with the hospital administrators down on the first floor talking about our bill. Now, I'll be honest, I, I was out of it, but in earshot, I, I hear my wife uh, crying. Um, I hear her saying, we, we don't have that money. I hear her saying, well, what are we going to do? And essentially, on the other side of the phone, what was going on is the billing department told my wife that if we don't come up with $4,000 within 48 hours, they were going to discharge me because that's, it is what it is. We don't have the money. Um, and then I hear my wife, who's such a woman of faith, uh, she said basically, you know, I, I don't know how, I don't know when, but my God's going to show up and he's going to do this for us. He's going to take care of us. So, of course, I, I fall back to sleep and I'm out. So here's what took place over the next 48 hours, is as people from this church and people important to our family uh, came to, to pray with me and to check on my wife, they would come by and, and they would give her an envelope or they would give her a card or they would just hand her a check. Now keep in mind, we didn't announce. We didn't announce, hey, we need money, um, but God knew and God began to show up. And so within 48 hours, we had almost exactly $4,000. Now, for the Wilsons, that's a win, right? That's a big story that we can go back and remember. There was that one time when God showed up and he did exactly what we needed him to do, exactly at the right time, and we have a confidence in that. 
I would encourage you even now, I'm going to pray for God to give you remembering like crazy, just start making a list of what God has done for you in the past and keep that handy that you can go back and just look at how confident he is. There was that time he showed up and gave me financially and I needed a hug and I needed love and I needed this and God, whatever it is that we can have a confidence in that. Uh, Jeremiah thirty-two twenty-seven says, I am the Lord, the God of all peoples of the world. Is anything too hard for me? And of course, it's a resounding no. I mean, we know who's in control. Mark nine twenty three. I love this. Jesus says, um, what, what do you mean if I can? Right? He says, Jesus asked, uh, and, that's, and he says, anything is possible for a person who believes. We have to have a confidence that he's in control and remember that what he's brought us through. Second thing that we can learn from David is just trust in who you are in Christ. Be yourself. Trust in the the confidence and the giftedness and the talents that he's given to you specifically. Don't try to be something you're not. Embrace who you are in God. In fact, verse 38 through 39, something kind of interesting happens. Saul actually has kind of a tender moment for David, and he tries to give him his own armor. It says a a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and then took a step or two to see what it was like, and he was miserable. It said, for he had never worn such things before, and he said, "I, I, I can't go in these. He protested to Saul, I'm not used to them. So what did David do? He, he, he took it all off. Now keep in mind, he took off all the worldly protection, if you want to phrase it that way. In fact, one commentary words it this way, and just listen to these words. Here's what it says. This commentary says, It couldn't have been easy for David to walk away from all that loving expertise and safety that Saul offered him. But to go and meet Goliath wearing Saul's armor would have been disastrous. David needs to fight the battle using what he knows, and what he knows is the weapons of a shepherd, and that is a staff and a sling. Now look at this. He says if he gets close enough to Goliath to even need the armor, he's already lost. It's game over. He had to be himself and be able to fight him from a distance the way God created him. So what we can learn from this is be the person God intended you to be and use the gifts and skills which he has specifically given to you. Next thing, and I love this one. We want to do what we can, and we're going to trust God to do what we can't. We're going to trust him with what we can do and then trust him with what we can't do. He's going to work through us, but there's some things that we just can't do on our own. Verse 40, as the story continues, he picks up five smooth stones from a stream and puts them into his shepherd's bag. And then armed only with the shepherd's staff and sling, right, because that's what he's familiar with, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bare ahead of him, Not even sure how that's fair, but regardless, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy, he's insulted. Here's what he says. Am I a dog, he roared to David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. Again, fifth grade boys, right? But but let's just be honest, that's that's. I mean, that's intimidating. But what we see is David had a part to play. David had a role in this story of God. I mean, David had to go through the battle. What we do not see is David sitting over on the sidelines praying, God, please make this giant disappear. Just, Just take this giant away. He had to go to battle. 
And what he did is he went with the confidence of what he knew he was familiar with and knew he was gifted with. He would take care of his stuff, and he's going to wait for God to show up to take care of his stuff. We've got to do what we can do and trust God with what we cannot do. Uh, next thing, so important. At all times, know who and where God is. Verse 45, David replied to the Philistines, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Um, now, this is really interesting. David and Goliath is the same David who would write many, many years later, Psalm 23, which so many of you know to heart. In Psalm 23, verse 4 specifically, here's what it says. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. And then what does he say? For you are with me. We have to have the full confidence of who God is and where he is. And that is he is with us. He never walks alone. In fact, Hebrews 13, 5, God promises every believer, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Um, this is a great image. Isaiah 41.10, and I, I just, I love this. He says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. And then here's what he says. I will hold you up. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. So about, goodness gracious, if I can imagine this, 17 years ago, um, my son was born. And uh, you, know, you have some pictures you just love. One particular picture is when my son was just a baby, and I, and I reached into his crib. And luckily, my wife had a camera, and he just grabbed my finger. And I treasure this picture, and I love this picture. And, and here's a great reminder to us. We're that child. Our Heavenly Father is that dad. And he is there with us, and he loves us, and he's going to be with us. And we've got to know who he is. He's the Almighty God, and he can do whatever he wants to do. And where he is, is we should find comfort that wherever you go, he's going to be right there with you. And if you want to visualize, we're just holding on to this massive finger. He, he, he's, he's with us, and, and it's a warm embrace, and he loves us, and he's going to take care of us. And then finally, as David was properly motivated. Um, at last, we see this in verses 46 through 47. It says, Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will give you, I will kill you, and I will cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world, here's why he's doing this, the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And then here's what it says, And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. Man, if we could just embed that and just burn that into our brain right now, that the Lord rescues his people and just brand that where it's fresh to us right now. But not with sword and spear, for this is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. So that's why David was willing to face this enemy who's stronger, he's heavily armed, is he had it in his heart to bring glory to the God of Israel. And David says, I'm going to fight this battle for the glory of God. You know, there's another verse that really kind of comes true in this season right now, and that's 1 Corinthians 10, 31. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, and if we could even add wherever you go, wherever this thing takes us, whatever's going on, do it all for the glory of God. 
Okay, so we're going to stop the story there. Um, and what I want to encourage you to do is on your own or as a family um, with your kids is, is read the rest of David and Goliath and just rest in the assurance that God is in control and we serve a mighty and powerful God that he can take out a, a giant and he can take out any giant towering over us. Um, in fact, I want to leave us with these words for those who may be exhausted, for those who may be uh, just tired, for those who may be scared. Please know that, that we were with you and we understand the fears. Um, it's just the reality is we don't want to be led by those fears. We, we can understand that, that we can be in the know and we can still be delivered and we can still be, be moving and be, be pushed by God. Matthew eleven twenty eight. here's what it says. These are the words of Jesus, and I just, it's just a call to anyone that falls in that category. He says, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And I think that's what we need. We need this deep faith spiritual rest and just rest in the assurance that our Heavenly Father is with us. He will never forsake us. He's walking the road with us, and he's our Abba Father. He's our Daddy in heaven who wants to pick us up and hold us and walk through this time with us. There's, there's one final tip that we get from David that I want to share with you, and that is when you're facing this giant that is towering over you, we don't focus on the giant. We focus on our God because that's where the true power comes from. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we come to you now, and Father, we, we've acknowledged the, the weirdness of doing church online, but Father, the truth is, it doesn't matter how, where we worship you, we're always with you. And so, Father, I lift up uh, all the believers on the other side of the screen who are watching and who are listening and who are seeking you, and Father, I pray that you would just help them know that you are in control. Father, I pray that you would recall scriptures to them that, that maybe they haven't read in years and they would see it again and it would just come to life for them. Father, I pray that you would help them draw close to you during this time of just anxiety and stress and find that sweet rest that your son talks about that we can come to a place and know that you absolutely want to give us sweet rest and just rest in the assurance that you're not surprised by this, that you've got this. Father, <clears throat> I also pray specifically for our God stories, that you would help us know that what you've done in the past, that you'll do again. I mean, you are true as a nature. You, you don't lie. You don't change. You are constant. Father, we thank you for being sovereign and just being in charge of all. Father, I also pray for those who may not have a relationship with you, that, Father, if this is what it takes, if this is what it takes to rattle their cage, that they would finally drop to their knees and give you their life. Father, I pray that you would just provide abundantly for people to reach out to them and love them and encourage them and to steer them. And, Father, we pray that you would use our church in this season, Reclamation Church. Help us know what our role is and that you would just use us to glorify yourself, Father. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. What a great word from Pastor Tom. For more information on Reclamation Church, go to our website at re.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at re.churchplano. I'm going to be joined by Pastor Tom on Thursday in our discussion episode. And I look forward to seeing you there too. Have a great week.